All right, I'm Perry. This is in plain sight. And to my right star of all things, Blaze TV, the one and only Mr. Brandon Steele. We, uh, my lecture series is going to continue today. I, yeah. I originally didn't want to, but with uh, David announcing his potential comeback, not that that means anything. It's been, you know, six weeks since he announced it originally. He's always just around the corner. Yeah, well, you know, I, I, it's kind of a cool move to where it always feels like he's making some triumphant comeback. Even though it's just yeah, he's the he's the heroic or it's his heroic return every time. Yeah, I I don't know whether or not he does that intentionally, but um, I figured because we're <clears throat> we're getting David back, that's that's why we have to study history. We must study history, otherwise we're doomed to repeat it. Yeah, and for that, you know, last week we talked about Michael Sala and all his bullshit about the secret space program. But I figured today we must get to the root, the root cause, which is one William Tompkins. The man behind it all. This, uh, before we get into this, this is by far the worst one of these books I've ever read. Nice. I, I feel like I say that a lot, and I don't know if every time I just reset my expectations and I'm continuously let down, but this book is borderline unreadable. Hell yeah. Like, the, the timeline in it, in it, in it is incomprehensible sometimes it's 1938 sometimes it's 1967 sometimes he goes back and forth between sentences it's late stage wilcock writing dude yeah well so i think i think tompkins wrote this book when he was like 90 years old so it kind of makes, that sense. makes sense but he did have someone you know trying to help him with it can you throw my uh, very important slideshow up there too just to make sure make sure it works here okay we're good oh selected by extraterrestrials William Tompkins. Uh, so as we were just talking about, William Tompkins is probably like the, he's the guy. I think he was kind of the first secret space program guy. And he is very frequently cited by David and Corey and Michael Sala and all those people. Right. He's been, in fact, the last time we talked about him, it was episode uh, like 344, I want to say. And that uh, he was the super old guy getting interviewed by Kerry Cassidy. Yeah. Telling he's, his boring story. He's ancient. Yes. Well, he's dead now, I believe. And after reading Thank this God. book. Yes. After, after being uh, subject to this, I'm glad he's dead. His reign of terror is finally over. Well, before we get into his writing, his he, he has an editor for this book who should never be allowed to edit a book again. I mean, that's probably a bit generous to call them an editor. Well, it's just... I don't even think he is. It's just some guy who read it. He did a very poor job of editing it. He's nice. he's like an actual doctor, but uh, those skills did not translate into being a good editor. This is what he has to say about it. He showed me some of the pages of drafts of this autobiography, and it was clear to me that Bill, while being quite articulate in his mind and speech, never obtained the skill of hearing words and knowing how to spell them. <laughs> he was borderline <laughs> retarded. And I, that's one of those things that is going to make less and less sense as we go on because bill much like david he has quite a high opinion of himself so it yeah. doesn't really i mean if i started reading some kooky dude's book and he couldn't spell it back like, ah, i think this guy's dumb well especially when that guy claims to have been like one of the most important yeah. rocket engineers i don't mean to burst everyone's bubble but i think he's uh fucking stupid yes he's very stupid we'll uh we'll see evidence of that throughout this and then to further lessen the credibility of this book, he says, For those of you who try to follow the timeline of the book with precision, you may find a few anachronisms. For example, reference to the Apollo program before it was officially begun. 
Probably the author is remembering the Saturn contract that was later used to launch Apollo. Most of Bill Tompkins' reports come from his memory, and very few of us can remember things 40 or so years ago, except in reference to other things. Um, given the rest of this tale, I'd be far more inclined to chalk this up to him just... Well, obviously, we know he's a liar. I don't know why everyone else gave him such credit. You know, I don't feel like they knew back in the day that you could think people were wrong. I just, I, I can't tell if everyone's trying to be gentle for some reason. There but seemed like, to be a lot of grace in the sector back in the day. It's just, I, I feel like if I met a guy and he's like, hey, I invented space travel. I would probably ask follow-up questions and maybe ask for some variety of proof. Oh, word. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's... Mm. Oh, word is all the research anyone in this oh, field does. neat. Yeah. As long as you say it, it is true. And now the, uh, the last thing the editor says, and this is a very kind way to phrase this, Bill's life story skirts the edge of believability. But in this case, I have total confidence that he is honestly telling the story as he best remembers. Um... I, I think part of the reason why they give him such grace is, you know, these books were written, like, right before he died. So I, I kind of think no one wanted to, like... Ah, he'll be dead soon. Don't burst his bubble. Well, yeah, the guy's dying. Like, like let him... Don't don't ruin his life right before it ends. This is all he has, okay? His family won't talk to him. For, for somehow, the guy got through 90 years of just lying, and no one ever called him on it. So you don't want to be the guy to call him on it at the very end. Yeah, what do you mean, lie? Okay, basic outline on Bill's life, the prologue here. Uh, Bill's dad ran a film processing studio for major movies, but ended up going broke after a takeover his company left him out on his ass. This causes Bill's family to move in with his rich surgeon uncle. Uh, we, we immediately get off to a good start. I guess his, his uncle's family was obsessed with Egypt and hieroglyphics. They went to the pyramids. There's a picture of them. They went to the pyramids, and in the photo they took, there was a UFO in the background. Now, none of Bill's family thinks there's a UFO. Just Bill says there's a UFO in this picture. Do you think, uh, well, there you see what part is supposed to be the UFO? This little yeah. dot? Yeah, that's, right. that's, that's the best evidence we're going to see in this entire book of Conclusive. aliens. Conclusive. Yeah, so he, he takes that to mean like the aliens were already working themselves into his life early on wow. by way of a speck on a black and white photo. Wow. Uh, and I, I mentioned this in last week's episode, but William Tompkins is a very horny man. Hell yeah. Like, what else are we getting into this for if not pussy? Insanely horny. But this is the very beginning that of the book. That just makes him relatable to me. Well, so I... I didn't, I didn't fully comprehend how horny he was at this point in the hey, book. Hey, baby, you want to go back to my hotel and talk about the ancient greys, maybe suck me off? Uh, his game is not even nearly that good. <laughs> we will see at a certain point, about halfway through this, aliens won't even be a thing anymore, and we're just talking about William Tompkins fucking... Hey, baby, fucking. <laughs> you ever done anal in the pyramids? <laughs> so this, this was the first clue to uh, his horniness. He is, every time he talks about... Uh, alien secretaries he just talks about how hot they are but in this case he mentions his cousins would copy the outfits that quote young egyptian girls wore to entice their older male friends and then he talked about how they would make skimp, uh, skimpy egyptian princess outfits ah these egyptian sluts wait were his cousins men no, no. Oh, okay, I thought his cousins were like femboys or something here but that is like ah oh, man william tonkins's family lines a bunch of twinks 
uh, it would make sense, but it, it that's a weird thing to say about your cousins, right? Like describing man, my my <laughs> younger cousins were just so fucking hot in those slutty Egyptian outfits. They're so goddamn sexy. Anywho, about the grays. <laughs> yeah, it's it's very. That's a strange. Most people do not speak of their family members in a sexual way. Look, you know, incest isn't a big deal with interstellar species. I guess maybe if you're an alien, it doesn't count as incest because you have some sort of extra dimensional bloodline. Yeah, no, no, they figured it out all good. So this is this is how Bill says he, he gets to his position as an insider. When he was a boy, his father would take him to the Navy shipyard in Long Beach, and from there he would get on Navy ships, but because cameras weren't allowed for security reasons, he would mentally record all the images of classified equipment and then sketch it out once he had left. Um, I do have my doubts that the Navy was showing classified equipment to a young boy, but this was the 1940s, so who the fuck knows? Maybe. Uh, but then this is this is his big break. Bill he built naval ship models, super autistic. So he would go, yeah. he would like memorize all the parts of the ship in his mind, and they'd go back home and build a model of them. That's pretty cool. It it would be if he could have just left it there. Yeah, if he <laughs> could have just stayed at the autistic stage. They always get greedy. So. Uh, he would build these ships, uh, ship models, and then his father would display them uh, in his storefront. And I guess these models were so good that the LA Times wrote an article about him, and naval intelligence investigated his father for potentially being a spy. During the investigation, uh, the Navy people went to his house and found all of Bill's drawings and decided to begin the process of enlisting him in the Navy. Oh, you're autistic? Would you like to join the Army? I also don't know what age he was here. He Again, the timeline is a mess, so I don't know if he's talking about he did this at 12 and the Navy started recruiting him or if he was like 35. I have right. no idea. Uh, he does also casually mention that this collection of models was worth probably $2 million dollars which is a very funny thing to say after you say your family went broke and had to live in your uncle's house. Yeah. Like if you had $2 million. Probably should have sold one. Especially I did look it up and $2 million in 1940 is $40 million today. Yeah, so that's maybe, good living. Yeah, maybe maybe you could have, maybe don't sell all of them, maybe one or two. Yeah, just <laughs> enough to pay the rent. Just, yeah, just enough so you don't have to live in someone else's house. Now, this next little thing, this is uh, what Bill talked about extensively in his Carrie Cassidy interview. He witnessed the Battle of Los Angeles as a youth. This is the supposed alien battle that occurred with the U.S. Navy. Uh, the official story here is that the United States was insanely paranoid, probably rightfully so, after Pearl Harbor, and we went a bit crazy. Uh, previous to this, Oakland had closed down in fear of a Japanese submarine attack. Hell yeah. And a bunch of army troops had actually been moved to Disney Studios in Burbank to protect them in case the Japanese were launching an air raid against... Goddamn Japanese. I, I don't know why they would have launched an air raid against Disney, but... Because they fucking hate Mickey Mouse. Well, that is... Yeah, they hate freedom. <laughs> we needed to kill their institutions. Uh, so during this supposed battle, an alarm was raised and an, uh, the air raid sirens went off. And this led to machine gunners firing anti-aircraft rounds of what they thought were like the invading forces. They, uh, they did actually end up killing three civilians by causing car accidents. And then two more died from heart attacks related to the stress. Hell yeah, dude. It's a little bit of a mistake. Uh, this story does conclude with the old faithful explanation of all things alien. It was weather balloons. <laughs> uh, 
Back to the story. Bill and his fantastic boat models, he ends up with a position in the Navy and a job at, I think this is pronounced Volte Aircraft. He got that job as a temporary position while he waited for his uh, security clearance. Straight from here, he just talks about how he worked on advanced technology projects. Uh, so he would have been about 20 years old at the time. And with no experience, he just immediately gets involved in advanced technology. Nah, that makes sense. So he said in this position, he was charged with surveying experimental research, other governmental agencies and educational scientific institutions, manufacturers and research engineers. And then Bill got honorably discharged in 1946 and started selling silk hosiery door to door with his father. Pantyhose? Yes. So nice. th this was one of the first big, like, what the fuck moments for me. Man, we used to sell some crazy shit door to door. They used to sell everything door to door. Excuse me, ma'am. Do you need any pantyhose today? Or an encyclopedia? Yeah. Or how about a vacuum cleaner? I have lingerie and knives. Can I interest you in a sale? <laughs> so, uh, you know, mere sentences before saying he became a silk hosiery salesman, Bill said... I had access to highly classified programs and was involved in some of the most unprecedented advanced scientific programs on the planet, which if that is the case, you would think he'd be able to land a job in that field somewhere. That's how unhireable he was. <laughs> Maybe his horniness kept him out of a lot he of He created such advanced tech, but they're like, dude, you are a walking fucking HR problem. <laughs> Even in the 50s, yeah. it was, that's how bad it was. You have eight restraining orders against you. But, it, I mean, this would be the equivalent of like a Nobel scientist working at a McDonald's oh, or something. Oh, Einstein? <laughs> oh, sorry. We can't hire you. You're um, a predator. <laughs> You're a rapist. Yeah. Uh, so. Oh, no, no. Rape is relative. I do. <laughs> it's based on how fast No, you moving. don't understand. If rape was relative, if you actually take it in the context of the situation, it was consensual. I do want to the point. The time dilation makes the consent not the pill right away. That's what that whole theory was about. <laughs> yeah. is he got charged with a rape. It's just him like, trying to get out of a rape bid. He's like, no, no, you know, this is big a, misunderstanding. a different timeline. It's <laughs> a different place. On Jupiter, this is not rape. <laughs> I, I do want to point out that the Boston Strangler also went door to door and then strangled women with silk pantyhose. So well, they should have fucking bought him. Yeah. <laughs> That's all it was. He yeah. was just really upset. It's I just, need damn commission. God. He fucking, he's trying to pay rent. These bitches won't buy anything. So maybe William Tompkins learned from old, uh, what's his name, Albert DeSalvo. Yeah. <laughs> they were friends back in the day. Now, uh, and again, keeping with the, the consistency of nothing making sense. So he goes, top secret Navy guy, silk hosiery door-to-door -door salesman, and then from there he lands a job at Lockheed Martin. <laughs> nice. <laughs> which, which makes a ton of sense. He was in the panty division of Lockheed Martin. Yeah, he was working on a new zero-gravity panty. So his work building uh, those boat models, it got him positioned at Lockheed where he built uh, models to be tested in the wind tunnel. And then in 1951, he got a job at Douglas Aircraft as a draftsman. This position, along with his former security clearance with the Navy, got him transferred to the highly classified advanced design section. Wow. He describes himself as engineering section chief and says he designed dozens of missions and spaceships for exploratory operations to the planets that orbit our nearest stars. Wow. Yeah. Remarkable. Uh, we'll get to it at the very end of the episode, but he, he claims to have had quite a few jobs. Like several dozen jobs. So well, he kept getting fired. <laughs> With good reason. Now, all that out of the way. Chapter one, a think tank. So, I, well, I already talked about this. Yes, he's a 
terrible, terrible writer. So try to keep that in mind as we go through this. Um, This is what he says. I didn't even know what a think tank was before I was given the job. I'd never done anything like it before, and I certainly wasn't qualified for the job. Which, again, he's working with top secret aircraft, and he has no design ability. He doesn't know the math or the engineering parts of it. Oh, think I don't really do thinking, <laughs> you know. I like tanks. Also, yeah, how dumb do you have to be to not know what a think tank is? It's right oh, in the name. I thought we were going to make war machines. <laughs> With our minds. Yeah. Furthermore, he, he says his bosses at this job, they would ask him to do things without giving him any information. One of the examples he gives is he says he was told he needed to design a way to transport heavy equipment within a cavern system, but he was never told how big the equipment was or how big the caverns were. So... There's a lot in here that just does not make sense. Like him having no background uh, in doing this, his job not telling him how to do it, and right. yet he was still he was still able to do it. Uh, another problem: the editor said that Bill's memory was a bit hazy, but this book relies extensively on dialogue between characters. So either Bill, for some reason, has like an otherworldly memory for past conversations, or he is just making up a significant portion of you this know, book. It's based on a true story. Uh, th- maybe it's based on some other guy's <laughs> recollection of what he had told him once. Here's an example of some of the excellent dialogue. Bill, you're smoking pot again, Edelson said. And where is your fucking system plan? You are supposed to show us what these spaceships of yours are supposed to do. He's supposed to show us what's supposed to do to justify their existence. Mr. Edelson, you are out of order again, Whedon said. As wow. just, yeah, that, that well, that's why he keeps getting fired. He's smoking weed on the job. <laughs> he does try and paint himself to be like a bad boy. He's just fucking, way. he's just blitzed all, what, what fucking planes? That's a joke he repeatedly uses too. Like, are you smoking marijuana? I don't, I guess that was a zinger in the 60s. It yeah. doesn't quite translate these days. I mean, I guess back when it was a federal crime. Yeah, yeah, back, back when it was a rebellious thing to actually do. So the chronology at this point, we're only 20 pages in, and the chronology is such a mess that the editor actually includes a section to try and explain what the fuck is going on. Nice. But uh, then we get back to it. This, oh yeah, there's another thing that makes no sense. So this top secret program had a stenographer that would follow them around everywhere they went. So during conversation, there's frequent mentions to a woman named Sheila, and they're like telling her to omit parts from the record, which... I, I don't get why a top secret program would have a stenographer to record every aspect of their conversation if well, they didn't want it recorded. You know, when you're doing something super classified, the real key is to have a paper trail. <laughs> of every single detail. Yeah, that's what you want when you're trying to keep something on the low. I did actually just put together in my head. I'm, I'm guessing the reason he can repeat the dialogue perfectly is he's going to claim he had, like, stenographer records. That would make sense, at least. Yeah. So in 1953, Advanced Design concluded that uh, UFOs were interplanetary spacecraft piloted by extremely advanced extraterrestrial beings. Now, there is zero information about how they came to that conclusion, but that's the conclusion they came to. And that's going to be a reoccurring theme as well. All right. Bill takes great care to, in significant detail, explain the most mundane aspects of this story, and then when something insane happens, he provides no explanation or proof. Well, that's the key, is the minutiae. Yes, everyone wants to know about him changing the tire on his Cadillac, but when it comes to time travel, who gives a fuck? 
Uh, Bill, he did also throw in here that Marilyn Monroe was killed for being a tol- uh, told about UFOs by Kennedy. Well, that's a classic. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he also said uh, the real tragedy was that Marilyn died when she was so fuckable. <laughs> That is the tragedy. I'm with I'm with Bill on this one. Yeah, he's not wrong. She was a good looking. That was woman. a that was a historic piece of ass that died early because she ate too many pills. Now back to the very very real work of William Tompkins. The company designed a ship that could get to Venus in 36 hours, traveling a very realistic 1.4 million miles an hour. It uses anti gravity uh, propulsion, and no, he will not explain how that works. Uh, For perspective, the space shuttle gets to 17,500 miles an hour, and the fastest ever recorded speed traveled is the NASA Parker Solar Probe, which reached 394,000 miles per hour. So it is four times faster than the fastest ship that has ever existed. Nice. And he doesn't explain how it works. It's unimportant. Um, Right. So he, he talks about... Now, we know aliens uh, hail from Alpha Alpha Centauri and the Andromeda Galaxy without explaining again. And then there's also white hat aliens and black hat aliens. So the the white aliens, that's good for society. Black hat aliens, bad for society. Right. Just just like the races. Yeah. (laughs) So all this stuff about how he uh, had no foreknowledge or skill to develop this stuff. This is how he attempts to explain it at the end of the chapter. He says, and this is very convincing, aliens from a million years in the future are beaming thoughts into his head. That makes total sense. Yeah, no, that's that, That's cool. Yeah, that checks out well. And, you know, that they beam thoughts into his head to help him design space shuttles. Man, schizophrenics and the things they get up to. I want to... Com- Continue reiterating, this is a story that people in the SSP sphere regard as, like, the most legitimate story. This is mythical lore. Yes, the foundational member of this whole story was getting thoughts beamed to his head by aliens who live a million years in the future. Oh, well, can you prove it didn't? No, I can't. That's a good point. (laughs) There you go. Checkmate. So, Chapter 2, Civilian Saucer Investigation, the CSI. It was composed of highly qualified engineers from the Southern California aerospace community. And this is where I was thinking we should inject ourselves into this story because, like, we both had grandfathers who worked in this in this community at the right at uh, the right time. I like CSI UFO, which is everything covered in ectoplasm instead of cum. <laughs> I was trying to think if like he knew that CSI already had another meaning when he included it in this book. Probably not. No, probably not. Um so also on on top of you know getting back to us inserting ourselves into the story, Tompkins said that the head of rocket engine research at Rocketdyne was a key member of the CSI. Nice. So there's a very good chance uh, one of our grandfathers was aware of this guy, assuming yeah. he you know actually exists. Yeah, whatever. Which is about a fifty fifty chance. He's more of an idea than a person, you know. Yes, he's uh, he's like a me- like a Jungian archetype. Yeah, yeah. He's the the proverbial man in black. The CSI ran until 1953 when someone stole all their files and they decided to just shut down. During this time period, Tompkins and his co-workers in the think tank came to believe that there was a galactic federation of planets that was run by aliens and then controlled about 60 stars within our portion of the galaxy. Again, there was no, you know, provided detail to explain why they thought that or how they might come to that conclusion. Unimportant. Unimportant. Now, completely forget the CSI. Uh, he doesn't mention it again <laughs> until right. almost the end. We're back to the think tank. Uh, they had to develop a giant space truck. 
So they had to do this because, as Tompkins put it, our planet was in deep shit. All the other alien gangs already had advanced space battleships, and they were all engaged in warfare in order to be the ones to take over our planet. And Damn. then Tompkins' idea was to give us a heads up before the aliens arrived uh, so we could prepare our missiles. He wanted to put antennas all over like the planetary system to be able to detect when the aliens were getting in here. Well, we all know that they travel with their radios really loud. <laughs> I will say some of the language used in here does seem like coded racist language. Well, I mean, he's a product of that era. Yeah, it was, you know, it was uh, expected for the time. Absolutely no one got out of the 50s not being racist. Chapter 3, The Investigations. Um, Into the Black Problem. <laughs> as as is common with these folks, Tompkins uh, does have a bit of an ego. This is how he describes himself. In this book, you beautiful people will learn how I became a universe visionary. <laughs> very very subdued back now we're back to 1952 or maybe we're going forward to 1952 i already don't know Tompkins says that he and his cohorts in advanced design were able to figure out that uh the ufos we see are short-range reconnaissance vehicles which are launched from a mothership that serves the function of an aircraft carrier uh and the reason for it being the navy that defends our solar system is thanks to Tompkins. he said that the Navy was best equipped for missions in space due to the similarity between space and sea missions. They need to be out for extended periods of time, and they need to replenish their supplies. Now, why Bill was given the ability to choose, seeing as he didn't work for the military at this point and worked at Douglas Aircraft, uh -huh. I have no idea, but that's the story. All right. One of uh, Bill's bosses is a guy named Dr. Klemper, he finally explains why a bunch of seemingly unqualified people are working on spacecraft development. According uh, So according to Klemp here, quote, several of us feel that certain extraterrestrials, for whatever reason, have been influencing these inventors telepathically, influencing them to develop a capability that will move them off this planet. And then Klemp proceeds to lump a bunch of praise on Bill. But, you know, do remember this is Bill writing this dialogue. So right. Bill... You have personally gained the reputation of thinking far ahead of everyone in the tank. You seem to always ponder the deep questions of our presence in the galaxy, or for that matter, in the universe. When you start a new project, at times you seem to be an observer, living in an element that allows you to view and conceive every new mission that will meet the requirements for galactic operations. In the same space, you also seem to utilize the system for the advent of starships with an enthusiasm that will get us to the corners of the universe. And your questions weigh very heavily upon some of us, too. We're living through the most complicated problem confronting civilization as we know it. Now, can I suck you off? Hold on to that thought. <laughs> Hold on to that thought. I'm telling you, we're going to take a really fucking weird turn in a certain point. Uh, so now that we know the aliens do the thinking for Bill, it does serve as a nice crutch to allow him to not explain how he came to any of his conclusions. Because every time now that he invents something super complicated, the answer is just an alien did it. Mm -hmm. So he just he never has to explain it. All right. Uh, so, for example, in one scene, he's... Uh, getting coffee and suddenly he gets a revelation that the moon isn't controlled by humans rather it is an alien naval base wow not only that but the the aliens towed the moon here in a pickup from another sector of the galaxy several years ago like ten thousand, and the damn thing has no core it's filled with massive cities there are thousands of structures in there massive open areas thousands of entities beehives like transparent buildings 
hundreds of control centers, millions of laboratories, military research, medical. Wow. So uh, now completely forget all that. Bill gets flown to Mexico to help at a missile test site. Um, the aliens are, oh, wrong slide. God damn it. Wow, I can't believe he invented Final Fantasy. Well, that was, uh, I forgot to plug in the audio, but I was going to use it as a source, the, the quote where it just says, my source is I made it the fuck up, because yeah. that's, <laughs> that's what he does here. So Bill gets flown to Mexico to help with a problem at a missile test site. The aliens are interfering with the missile system and preventing it from reaching its target. In addition, these entities are influencing some of the engineers to do awful things. So one engineer who married an 18-year-old, by the way, took her across the border into Juarez, Mexico, where disaster struck. Yeah, but 18 was like 30 at this time. It goes younger. Um, <laughs> <laughs> this is the uh, the description. You also know how she looks, a blonde in short shorts and a bare midriff running around the motel. That's how she was when just the two of them went to that dingy bar. The report said after drinking, she went to the ladies' room down a hall and never came back into the bar. Now, Bill, you know what those damn Mexicans think of blondes. <laughs> Both our Border Patrol and the Mexican police were searching for her. A Navy special intelligence investigation found her body two weeks ago in South Juarez. Wow. The preliminary autopsy indicated that she had been dead for days, severely beaten, and continually violently raped. Wow, continually. There's a, yeah, I liked uh, continually and violently. And violently, yeah. It was not a good raping. No, uh, just getting raped to death is not bad enough. It was continuous yeah. and violent. Donald was right about those Mexicans. They're not sending the best. <laughs> Quite frankly, the, the Mexicans, they'll rape anybody, even the aliens. <laughs> so... Billy, uh, he works in another very convenient plot device here, which is not only can these aliens give people thoughts, they can also take them away. Ah, take my thoughts away, please. I know, that sounds magical, doesn't how do it? I get just, that, how do I get that deal? Just floating in nothingness, yeah. never having a thought. Just an empty head. Um, so he tells the story of aliens interfering at this missile site he had been flown to, and despite uh, plenty of witnesses to the events, he says a few weeks later he couldn't find anybody that remembered the incident, or as he puts it, the aliens must have overwhelming control of our minds. Chapter 4, The Divorce and the Think Tank. The divorce he's talking about here is the split between the think tank and Douglas Aircraft, which, again, this doesn't make any sense. <laughs> I don't right. know. The basic claim, I think, here is that the think tank that was part of Douglas Aircraft, that gets severed and then, okay. I think, joins the Navy. So they switch, switch teams? I think. All right. I think that's what's going All right. on. Uh, this, this is what he said his new job was. Our Army, Air Force, and Navy pilots have reported over 160 different unknown alien craft that vary from race to race. Some of these are massive spaceships that are obviously capable of crossing the galaxy. I guess both groups have been tasked to counter not just one rival military force of hostile beings. There appear to be, uh, be different alien civilizations in the galaxy, all engaged in bizarre, dangerous wars, the outcomes of which might one day determine the future of humanity on our planet. Even more important than that, we must defend this planet against aliens whose stars and planets could have developed millions of years before our sun. Now, from here, Bill says he overhears a conversation between a couple PhDs who were working on the Philadelphia experiment, which he said Einstein was a part of, too. All right. Which I don't... Einstein did do some work for the Navy, but, uh, you know, according to the Navy, he had nothing to do with 
invisibility projects. But I mean, not that I'm aware of. Uh, well, that's, but you know, look, we're no William yeah. Tompkins. Who are we? <laughs> so uh, they're working on the Philadelphia experiment with Einstein. They say that aliens have a base in the Western United States, and they have been there for hundreds of years. And those aliens were conducting joint research with the Navy. Now, there's another thing that makes absolutely no sense, even beyond it all being obviously made up. But if we had direct contact with and we're doing research with a group of aliens, couldn't we just use their technology for a spaceship? I mean, yeah, you would assume so. Because you got to figure, like, you would need a spaceship to get off your planet and arrive here. And if we're looking to build a similar ship, why couldn't they just tell us? Unless they're huge dicks, I guess. You know, look, it's complicated. So Bill uh, Bill reveals that reptilians were managing greys in an underground bunker. It was another thing that makes no sense. He indicated before this that the greys were working with us and helping us do research. So I don't know why our people helping us do research would be managed by our enemies. But that's what he says. Bureaucratic red tape. Yeah, it's got to be that. <laughs> Now that we know there's an extraterrestrial threat, Bill comes up with a plan to save the Earth. Hell yeah. Quote, there is an urgent need for a large naval base to be constructed on the moon and also a smaller one on Mars. Apparently, we've been given the task of assisting this effort by coming up with configurations for the heavy vehicles needed to get the materials up to the moon via liquid-propelled rocket trucks. This makes no sense again because he had already developed anti-gravity propulsion like a few pages before. Right. So I don't know why you wouldn't just use that. Well, you know. uh, So he's got to get these trucks up to the moon, then define the mission elements required to build the moon base. As soon as Bill says this out loud, he gets one of his uh, psychic alien thought attacks, uh. um, and he's informed that there already are, are already are facilities located on the backside of the moon. This project to get moon bases set up was called Project Horizon. It it was a real secret project that did indeed want to set up bases on the moon. It just you know never ended up happening. Wow, but that's not what Bill says. Wow, just. I also don't get, how can the moon both be hollow and have a bunch of shit on the surface? Like, you would think structurally, that doesn't really make sense. Ah, uh, you know. That's a good point. Yeah, <laughs> you whatever. Know. Just as Bill was talking about Project Horizon, he jumps to another conversation he had years later in 1953. In this conversation, it was revealed that after the Roswell crash in 47, Truman had made a deal with the aliens. Now... If I recall correctly, last week in Sala's book, I think he said Truman, or maybe it was Eisenhower, they met on a space shuttle and did this. Wow, interesting. But that's not what Bill said. Um, Truman said they allowed a limited number of our citizens to be kidnapped every week in exchange for advanced extraterrestrial technology, including new propulsion schemes, laser weapons, and extended life. So these aliens took advantage of our good graces and they started digging into the ground and that's how they set up those bases in New Mexico and other Western states. Damn, they just traded tech for pussy. Yeah, it's a, it's a shame. So it wasn't only Truman who worked with the aliens. Eisenhower also met with them. And this is what Bill's co-worker reveals. President Eisenhower sat down with aliens in a hangar out at Edwards Air Force Base. I think it was Eisenhower last week. Ah, I think. okay. So two people telling the same story, have completely different locations where where it happened. 
uh, Edwards Air Force Base earlier this year. He tried to make them live up to the pact, but the aliens got up from their chairs around the conference table, literally flew to the top of the hangar, turned upside down over the conference tables, and gave Ike the finger. <laughs> now, <laughs> as to how we're surrounded by aliens and yet never have evidence of this, uh, Bill throws in another great plot device. There are 19 different ET entities on Earth, but they all have the ability to control our minds and can prevent us from seeing them in wow. much the same way that their vehicles have stealth systems on board to prevent us from seeing those. Wow. So whenever you think you come up with a reason why the story doesn't make sense, there's alien magic that yeah. explains it away. They're controlling your noggin. Now, in keeping with the theme of jumping all over the place, we next, uh, next discuss the ETs who worked with Hitler. Um, Hell yeah. They had given to Hitler, quote, UFOs, anti-gravity propulsion, beam weapons, extended life, and plenty of mind-controlled willing girls programs. Hell yeah, dude. The reptilians made a deal with the Third Reich SS, giving them this big box full of toys in exchange for letting Hitler enslave the rest of the planet. Oh, yes, and don't forget that the reptilian thugs... I told you, some of this sounds like... Uh, okay, coded. okay, thugs. Yeah, the reptilian thugs had already stolen our sun and solar system planets from another alien gang civilization long Man, ago. These reptilians are ruining the NBA. Yeah, they're, they're thugs who have a gang. Yeah. <laughs> and they added... So I guess all the planets, these thugs stole them from other galaxies and then brought Damn, them here. For they're just thieves. No good. I don't think, uh, yeah, I don't think the Nazis needed alien mind control to force women to have sex with them. Well, I mean, who needs it? It's more <laughs> yeah. of a just why not? It's a helpful tool. But yeah. I, I do think, you know, the threat of death was probably good enough for, for most cases. Mm -hmm. Now, the, the basic outline of this deal is that the reptilians gave Hitler all that tech in exchange for permission to interbreed with everybody. Now, why an all-powerful alien race would need Hitler's permission? Again, I don't know, but that's how it works. That's how cool Hitler was. So the reptilians create a bunch of hybrids, and they also gave uh, the Germans a space navy. And then the German hybrids in the German space navy can then join the reptilian forces to conquer the galaxy. Word. Yeah. So I know this is all very confusing, and I'm going to try. I'm going to try and lay out the plot as best I understood it at this point. Black Hat aliens worked with the Germans to develop hybrids and craft, and in turn, the Germans were to join the Black Hats. The White Hats catch wind of this plan, and this is why they start beaming thoughts into old Willie Tompkins' head. The, the White Hats want to help him develop craft so that the Americans can join the battle on the side of the White Hats. Wow. The, Fascinating. The, <laughs> if only. <laughs> if only. <laughs> These aliens, they started seeding their ideas to those that they viewed as more technologically advanced. So the Germans were first um, contacted by aliens because of their dirigible technology in the 1800s. And then the Americans got involved after the Wright brothers pulled off their flight. And then the U.S. got more contact post-World War II. And we had, you know, we had shown our superior technological prowess by bombing the Japanese. Chapter 5, Naval and Planetary Star Missions. Tompkins, uh, he lays out what one of our naval space battle groups would look like, and it consisted of multiple craft that are over a kilometer long and one that was 2.5 kilometers. Now, 2.5 kilometers, that's a mile and a half, uh, which seems gigantic for, for a craft. For scale, the world's largest aircraft carrier up there, that's the USS Gerald Ford, that is only 1,092 feet so Tompkins craft would be five times larger 
than that ship. Hell yeah. And it's supposed to blast off and go to space. Hell yeah. All these uh, ships have electromagnetic shields and some sort of invisibility device. That's the Einstein uh, shit we were talking about. Mm-hmm. Thinking, thinking about these ships, I think Bill just gets horny about ships sometimes. Then he has one of his thought attacks. I mean, if he was autistic enough to like make them from scratch, probably. Yes, I mean, especially doing that back in the the day when he was doing it. There wasn't the internet to have access to instructions. Oh, he doesn't use model glue. He uses cum to put those together. (laughs) So thinking about ships, it caused Bill to have another one of these alien thought-fainting attacks. Um, Oh, and I I do think I forgot to mention that when the aliens beam their thoughts into his head, he gets, like, cold and tingly and almost passes out. Cool. So he receives uh, this vision of what the aliens look like. And Bill, he's describing it to his co-worker here. They're like grasshoppers, I said. Really big, taller than us. Uh, they lost their wings. There they are. They lost their wings and middle legs eons ago. They multiply faster than us, and they're doing something to us to make us have very short lives. It's awful. Bill, are you Okay. Stepping backwards, I nearly fell. I'd got that tingling again. It was a sort of dizzying paralysis where I felt like I was dying. Oh, if only, if only. (laughs) He never would have had a chance to write this book. Is this another one of your visions, asked Jim? Uh, Yes, it's very clear now. Hundreds of spaceships swarming, thousands of Marines in combat gear. Oh, God, their slimy reddish eyes look like open, dripping guts. They cover half of their greenish heads. Staring into, inside of me, they're here or coming here. Man, I'm going to be bummed if they look like that. I know. I get, well, you would think with all the cloaking technology, they would just appear friendly. Like, right? I'm sorry, can't you aliens look fucking normal? Yeah. You, you know, uh, assimilate yeah. to the culture. You're going to come to our <laughs> planet looking like this? Okay. Yeah, that's a no-go. Yeah. Uh, the aliens, these aliens, of course, also had influence on our commercial aircraft design. Um. And then side note, you know, we've already touched on it, but every time Bill mentions a female character, he includes some sort of assessment of how fuckable she is. Hell yeah, like dude. Like literally every time. His corporate boss was only described as wearing short dresses and four-inch heels. And he describes one of these aircraft designers as an exquisite Asian. Would, but not the best. Well, he does say she was clad in a slim, tight dress. Exquisite Asian is a hell of a descriptor. It sounds nice. Uh, You're not just one of them normal Asians. You're exquisite. Exquisite. Their skill set is, you know, never mentioned. They Oh, me so horny, <laughs> me fuck Bill Tompkin long time. That would be less offensive than what happens. But Oh, Bill, you have a big brain, a big dig. <laughs> well, again, you know, maybe you're psychic. Cause, but, uh, yes, all the women in this story, they're set dressing to make Bill horny. That's hell all they yeah. are. Well, it's not his fault. It's these harlots. Oh, I also like this later in the book. He says that, uh, so he says that exquisite Asian looked 19, but then he later reveals she was only 13. All right. Oops. No, but it's okay because she was a sexy, a sexy 13 year old, which means she's an alien. (laughs) Oh, okay. Hot 13 year olds. Aliens. It's not pedophilia. She's an alien. (laughs) Uh, Look, your honor. I don't know what everyone's tripping about. If they're hot, they're aliens, so... It's not illegal. Whatever yeah. makes my penis hard is not yeah. illegal. <laughs> Look, ma'am, I'm sorry you're all freaking out, okay? But this is perfectly normal on Venus. Here's here's another good low-key old guy racist move. So in 2012, 
you know, obviously a long time after that first encounter, Bill encounters another Asian woman who he just says looked exactly like the other one. <laughs> I, I don't think he realizes how racist that sounds, but he declares to her that she was a clone of the other, oh, clone wow. of the other woman. Hey, excuse me, ma'am. Did you know you're actually a clone? And then uh, he, he describes this woman as wearing short shorts and having legs that never stopped. Damn. And this is the turning point from here on out. Bill is horny as shit. Just just rock hard right just in this book. The rest of this book. Uh so yeah, Bill's just horny now when he he describes meeting a girl. This chapter is just called Unbelievably Beautiful Girl. I mean, this is what happens before people had access to pornography. Is you get horned up and you'd write an entire book about it. Well, he actually wrote three books. Yeah. <laughs> he was he so could have just jerked off, but instead he ended up writing books about it. Also, keep in mind he's married during this whole time. So, you know, I, I don't well, know Well, how... this is his way of passively cheating. Yeah. So he meets this beautiful girl and he brags about dancing with her and later kissing her. I, I hope she gave him a And I, I ate her ass. <laughs> <laughs> it was new for the time. <laughs> yeah. That I was groundbreaking eating. technology. No one had eaten ass before. <laughs> the aliens beamed yeah. it into my head. A million <laughs> years in the future is how long it took for someone else to think of eating ass. Yes, the Alpha Centaurians <laughs> told me about that. Analingus. But the, the FBI had to make it classified. <laughs> ass eating wasn't supposed to come out for decades. Yeah. Uh, Einstein was working on yeah. invisible ass eating program. <laughs> So now, uh, then while discussing Barbara from corporate, he says she's tempting the men and is wearing a short skirt. He also comments on her gorgeous legs again, which like the 50s were just great. It was just a bunch of dudes getting drunk and sexually harassing women. At work. It was a better time. That's why we need to return to the 50s. Now, in addition to Barbara from corporate, there's also Joanne from corporate. She's a spy who's a member of a sex club. Wow, that's progressive. Where, quote, most of the stuff is done under the table. You know, obviously wow. referring to her well, sucking guy's dicks. I mean, it's a sex club. I don't. That is what would happen. That's the whole club. point of the sex club is like, hey, I'm going to do my pervy shit behind a closed door. Now, when Bill says her best talent is sucking dicks, a co-worker chimes in. Or no, I'm sorry. I ruined it. He says uh, the work is done under the table and a co-worker chimes in saying that's her best, uh, best talent. Yeah, toots. And next she bends over to give Bill what he describes as her best view. <laughs> wow. God, he rules. Oh, yeah. Uh, another thing, I guess in the 50s, panties hadn't been invented because no women will wear them in this story. <laughs> that's pretty cool, actually. <laughs> I like that. The OnlyFans models have brought that back. We should just get rid of panties. Yeah, Bill was well ahead at the time. Look, these were the little things that you, you want to know why our testosterone Drone levels are so low because you ladies aren't showing puss in public. Well, Bill had enough testosterone to spare. Uh, so this sex spy, she grabs a, a photo of this tunnel digging machine and they, uh, this is what he tells her. You couldn't get away with half of what you do around here if you didn't look so damn cute in that little black dress. God, if only your pussy wasn't so good, <laughs> they would have stopped you. Uh, so next, Bill casually invents a time machine, which brings him the adulation of his peers. But uh, again, no, he will not explain how it works. And no, we cannot see it. He did it just to go back and hit that one more time. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, the editor needs to have been fired here. So at the end of this chapter, this is chapter six. Portions of chapter four are just fully reprinted with no, like small alterations. 
I mean, look, what are you supposed to do when it turns into an erotica novel? At the very least, you should probably recognize you shouldn't reprint a whole chapter at the end of another one of your this chapters. This editor signed up to do a book about secret technology and aliens, and it turned into a smut novel. Yeah, it just ended up him uh, him reading yeah. about Bill's dick. By <laughs> chapter six, he's just like, man, what the fuck is this shit? <laughs> just a 90-year-old guy's cock is on your mind. He's, just, he's trying to fuck every... Ch- How am I supposed to edit this? Chapter seven, training for moon and Mars missions. So... In this chapter, uh, Bill and his team demo a missile for four-star Air Force members. They are assisted in this endeavor by their secretaries who are, quote, in short skirts and high heels. Hell yeah. They manage to win the Air Force guys over by telling them, quote, let's go hunt pussy on the beach. <laughs> so they, they take a helicopter ride where they're basically just peeping toms. So they, find, they find naked women sunbathing and then just hover the helicopter over it and then uh, spy hey, hey, on them. Bill, come look at this one. Hell yeah. <laughs> After uh, after they go do their peeping Tom helicopter mission, they then hop in a limo with four whores um, and they, they go out for the night. Oh, nice. God damn it. I should have deleted these slides. Uh, there we go. Now, after so after they do this mission, next they go to a mansion party and Bill wanders off throughout the home and he's later confronted by an entirely nude, except for her heels, Barbara from corporate. Hell yeah, dude. This is just at a party. Barbara has decided she lost all her clothes and she's just wearing heels. Barbara sounds like a good time, man. They all sound like a good time. So uh, Barbara tells him hooded figures with red eyes stole all her clothes and that they needed to flee the mansion. They escape and Bill figures out they were probably attacked by aliens. Wow, that makes sense. Oh no, she wasn't <laughs> raped. She aliens, aliens took her clothes. Uh, maybe that's the whole reason you invented aliens. Like, I didn't sexually assault any of these Ooh, women. Yeah, whoa. Uh, so it, it's at this point in the novel, Bill's character switches from like that nerdy model boat builder to being this super cool California surfer guy. Hell yeah. With no explanation. He says that uh, after those successful missile tests, Werner von Braun himself uh, came to him for help, and von Braun couldn't believe a, quote, snot-nosed California beach boy could beat him at designing rockets. Wow, he showed that, Nazi. Yeah, uh, and, I mean, this book, it just goes completely delusional. These are, the rest of the, it's literally just insane fantasies from a horny man. Hell yeah. That's that's all this book is. That should have been the title. So (laughs) insane fantasies (laughs) of a horny horny man. man. Now, next, another alien named Kelly Norse, who uh, she only wears a chrome bikini and four inch heels. Nice. And she's is that like the assassins in the Austin Powers movie? Yeah, yeah. The fembots or whatever. Well, she she joins the team as a test pilot. <laughs> a chrome bikini is a very funny ensemble for a test pilot. Well, actually, when you get the G forces up, they actually works better. Yeah. So that, I I was starting to think uh, that you know. William Tompkins was just like edging the entire time he Did wrote this book. Did titties flatten out when the the G's go up? That's an excellent question. I guess Would they to like some, compress your tits. Anything that's not filled up by like uh, you know musculature or fat would get crushed. Is there yes. like a tit size limit for like astronauts? Uh, probably. He talks about the tit size of some other employees Man. later, so maybe we can. That'd we be can such a back. bummer if your tits were too big to be a like an Air Force pilot. You're too sexy to be a test yeah, pilot. You're too hot for this plane. I just, I don't. How does anyone read a story where a test pilot at a prestigious institute 
only wears a chrome bikini and heels. You know, it was the 60s. Yeah, I got, well, look, I wasn't alive then. Yeah. Maybe that's what they did. Maybe, Summer of love. Everything was different, okay? Maybe all women in the military only yeah. wore chrome bikinis. This is before women became insufferable. Now, as, uh, as William Tompkins says here, look at her now, those gorgeous legs. And then he chimes in, never mind the legs. Look at her luscious little bare cheeks and that blue string <laughs> thong. <laughs> God, he really is just, he's horny about weird things. Uh, well, so the only other thing Bill mentions about this woman is she had Q security clearance. So maybe she was QAnon. Who knows? Uh, now, enough about alien pussy. Now it's time to jump backwards in time to 1939. Tompkins, he rambles incessantly about what a great thinker he is. And then he talks about growing up in Hollywood where he got beat up by the bullies. They should have beat him up Good. much more. Yes. Yeah, you deserved it, Bill. And then... This happens. This is him describing his school. Let me uh, let me get a drink of water before we do this. The older boys and girls were even having sex with first graders. <laughs> <laughs> they would cut class and have sex in one of the dorm rooms. Sometimes faculty would participate, and even with students from first grade to ninth. You know, look, first grade is pretty young. I do realize, you know, we were just talking about this was the 60s, but I don't think at you any know, time. <laughs> even in the 60s, like seven was still seven. Yeah, I don't think there's ever been a time in history where it was okay for an adult to have sex with a first grader. Yeah, it sounds like he was living in a sex ring. But yes, I don't, uh, I don't know what sort of rape school Bill went to, but I think this revelation kind of explains his terminally horny nature. Like It was he, molested into him. That's the most sensible thing yeah. that could explain this. Oh, it wasn't aliens. It was an older male student. So he quickly transitions off of this uh, to discuss how he got good at drawing boats as if he hadn't just admitted to being repeatedly fucked by adults when he was seven. Right. As if that's just a totally normal well, thing. Well, anywho. <laughs> and then from, so he gets fucked as a kid and now we go to chapter eight, Key Club in Apollo. Uh, we start this chapter with what else but Bill explaining how all the women who he worked with were sexually insatiable and, quote, can't seem to get enough. Wow. He takes a ride with his uh, secretary. She's wearing a pink miniskirt, no panties, of course. And during the ride, she slides her miniskirt all the way up and attempts to fuck Bill. Hell yeah. Now this, that's what young Bill looked like. Look at that pussy getting machine. You know, he's not hideous or anything, but he also doesn't exactly strike me as a man that women would just constant. Every woman throws themselves he at him. He probably has a huge hog. Well, it does get described later. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, look, man, uh, good for him if any of this is remotely true. So after, uh, you know, he has sex with the secretary in the car, you're never going to believe what happens next. Another sexy secretary joins the team. Damn, the luck of this man. This time, she's named Lucy, and she wears short shorts. This is why we got to bring back women secretaries. It made them horny. It seems pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> it seems pretty cool. Part of the job of being a secretary is just being horned up. So after Lucy comes in, the, the guys bemoan that they still need to hire a new section secretary. But wouldn't you know it, in walks another Absolutely gorgeous blonde wearing a short cocktail dress. Wow. Uh, this woman, she instantly pulls up her skirt and demands to be fucked on Bill's desk while everyone watches. Wow. In a conversation with his boss, Bill says, you know, Cliff, when she does this, she's having so much fun. She nearly has a climax. She knows she makes me hard. Just loves it. Damn. She almost came once. 
this is him talking to his boss. Hey, <laughs> what do you think of this, Cliff? Although I guess after, you know, you fuck the brand new employee on the desk in front of everyone, maybe boundaries are a bit different at that workplace. You know, there, there was like Wolf of Wall Street. Yes. Chapter nine. Permission. It's something Bill never asked for. Uh, <laughs> the aliens gave JFK permission to allow humans to visit the moon. And uh, at the time, Vice President Lyndon B. Johnson wanted his home state of Texas to be the ones who accomplished it. So he allowed the mafia to kill JFK. Sweet. Us being first to the moon is made all the more impressive by the fact that the aliens were helping the Soviets get to the moon. Which, again, I don't get how this makes sense. The aliens had the capacity. They can already go to the moon. Yeah, so why, if they're helping the Soviets, why didn't they just give them one of, one of their ships to go to the moon? Nah, the Russians were too drunk. Now, uh, from here, Bill and his crew go to establish a launch site for a missile. And what should they find out there? But D, a gorgeous creature. Hell yeah. When uh, So D goes to sit down and all her clothes fall off, exposing her breasts. Wow. Oh, <laughs> oops. Oh, no. Don't worry, though. She still had a, quote, little blue string down there, though. Um, okay, that's nice. Now, with the eloquence of a dangerously horny dementia patient, Bill writes, I couldn't stop wondering if she knew. I thought we should do it. <laughs> to, to this... <laughs> this man is 90 years old. Hell yeah, dude. I wish to have the virality of this fella. <laughs> to to this overture. Maybe that's how he got to 90. He just, he needed pussy so bad he couldn't die. Dude, he was so horny he couldn't tap out yet. Uh, so to this, this uh, very suave overture, D responds telepathically saying that she can't wait any longer to fuck. <laughs> she, she crosses over to him and licks his cheek and then Hell tells yeah. him, we will climax many times together and you will love every month of it. Every month of it. Yeah. I Damn, thought that was, she fucks by the month. I couldn't tell if that was a typo for moment, but I, I think it's month. Bitch, I got things to do. I can't be fucking all month. So she uh, she then takes his clothes off and tells him, this may be my favorite line in the book, you're beautiful down there. <laughs> <laughs> you have a beautiful penis. It was just a lovely penis. <laughs> yes. Anyways, he and this woman are going to uh, live together for months, and he fucks her so well that she actually gives him an anti-gravity Lamborghini that has an invisibility shield. Damn, he's a boy toy. <laughs> also, this Lamborghini somehow has a bed in the back so they can fuck while they drive. Well, of course. Uh, it turns out this anti-gravity Lamborghini can actually go 95 light years per hour. That's uh, that's 63 billion miles per hour. That's pretty fast. <laughs> <laughs> then Bill and D travel to the southeast portion of the Andromeda Galaxy, where he's taken to live on a Las Vegas planet. Just um, a planet that planet Vegas? Yeah. Now, that quick, sounds sick. Again, a reminder, he says all this is true. Fucking all the secretaries, yeah, his anti-gravity Lamborghini. Lamborghini, you say, Bill, right? <laughs> yeah. No, this checks out. This checks out. This matches my research. But how, how could the editor not be like, you, you have an anti-gravity Lamborghini? Yeah. Hey, can I see it? <laughs> uh, no, you may not. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. Uh, Absolutely not. Chapter 10, we're going to skip that. He just, he talks about building ship models. Um, chapter 11, lost time at Walker Pass. So Bill makes sure to repeatedly mention that he was driving a brand new Cadillac that was very expensive. And he says he bought it from the best Cadillac dealership there is. I think he's talking about Casa de Cadillac. He lived I where mean, we probably lived that for is, a long time. That's like one of the most well-known. So Bill takes his kids to Walker Pass where the entire car is abducted. He doesn't explain what happened during the abduction. He just says it was bright and his car was abducted. Uh -huh. 
After this, completely forget that it has nothing to do with anything. Next, Bill and a co-worker were working on a service tower that was needed for a Saturn C2 launch. And now, you're not going to believe this, but while there, a woman approached them. This is, uh, despite the previously mentioned freezing temperature, sh she was wearing a, quote, flimsy miniskirt that showed her pussy when the wind blew because she wasn't wearing panties. Hell yeah. <laughs> she showed Bill and his co-worker how to fix the problem they were working on, and later Bill asked his co-worker what was, you know, what was up with that chick, and the co-worker has no idea what he was talking about. What chick? So, I what guess... What the one with her pussy out? What do you mean, <laughs> what chick? Wearing a miniskirt in the freezing temperatures. Yeah. Right there. Chapter 12, Reptilians and Manufacturing. Uh, two guys that give off weird vibes show up to assist in manufacturing. Once others were gone, they turned into reptilians and began to hiss and claw at them. This was, for some reason, no issue, though, and he never speaks of it again. All right. Uh, Bill's co-worker then talks about how he's trying to fuck an alien, and he brags about having a 10-inch dick. Sweet. Then some sort of psychic attack befalls Bill. He doesn't explain what it was, but I think it was, I think it's supposed to be him receiving a transmission meant for one of his alien secretaries. Oh. And this transmission is about how that girl is supposed to feed information to Bill to help women or help humans get off the earth. Okay. So this is, this is a bit weird. Jessica, the alien lady, she hits her head and she has to be carried to help. So she, like, knocks her head on some sort of metal piece and passes out, right? All right. This is what Bill says happens next to a passed out woman. Somebody is fingering her ass and, <laughs> and putting their hands on her little bare cheeks. Now, after he says this, the editor jumps in and uh, he says... It's not what you think. It's not what you think. He says, the author says the previous event took place and he saw it in his mind many months later as a flash. So I guess... You know, the editor probably realized Bill finger blasting a woman's asshole when she's passed <laughs> out doesn't sound great. Oh, this is uh, this is assault. Yeah, that's I believe that's rape. Yeah, <laughs> I think. No, no, no. You don't understand. He just he thought about it later. How horny do you have to be to just be at work and a woman passes out and you're like, well, I'm not, you know, shoot or shoot. Yeah. Look, <laughs> I'm not going to pass this opportunity up. I mean, it was a cool time. You could just do that. Yeah, I guess, you know, just getting absolutely <laughs> no fear of repercussions. Like, well. You're not going to let this go to waste. You're just fingering the ass of someone you work with. <laughs> Anywho, hey, Dave, you want to go get lunch? Uh, yeah. So we... Uh, <laughs> hey, she's still passed out. You want to turn? <laughs> Legally, if she's out, it's not a crime. It doesn't count. Yeah, no, the laws are different in the 60s. So so now, yeah, it's like a 10-second rule. Yeah. <laughs> no, 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 she's out cold, doesn't count. If you finish 10 seconds before she wakes up, yeah. it's not rape. Yeah. Now, we do get some aliens that Bill doesn't have sex with. He says... Uh, Tompkins and his, his co-workers were testing an F-80 when out of nowhere, a cone-shaped UFO started flying all around the craft. Uh, it turns out there was some sort of issue with the F-80 and the alien showed up to assist him. Oh, and they, they also saw naked women sunbathing at the beach while coming in for a landing. Well, so, of course. So even, even when there was no reason for sex to be involved in the story... He's like, oh, we got helped by aliens, and also we saw some titties. Look, Bill knows what the people want. Yes, they want horny old men. Now, from here, Bill is tasked with designing a spacecraft carrier. Uh, so he and his bare-ass secretary board a plane and fly to San Diego. While on the way to their destination, the men on board talk about how women shouldn't be allowed on ships because they're all, quote, prick teasers, and men won't get anything done with them around. Now... Another one of Bill's uh, slutty secretaries reveals to them that they have been given permission to leave the planet. 
and then well i don't know why i included this in my notes it was at this point where i gave up like all hope of the book ever getting back on track yeah he was gone yeah we're we're at chapter 13 there's there's just nothing um it's yeah it's just all about how secretaries don't wear panties chapter 14 concept plan this starts with bill working on design for some automated system to make the saturn rockets reliable he uh, designs this where else but out for drinks with the girls and his boss. This is, uh, this is what his boss's addition to the design conversation is. Both of you girls have absolutely perfect size 32C, but today you <laughs> forgot your bras. That's the, and then... Very deep. From, so from you know uh, the, the design meeting out for drinks where they're just talking about titties, they then attend a party in Woodland Hills where everyone is naked and Bill's secretary keeps trying to telepathically seduce him. Wow. Uh, now, at this point, Tompkins starts claiming he didn't sleep with any of these women because he wouldn't cheat on his wife. But, like, the rest of the book makes it abundantly clear he was having sex with these women, or at least claiming to. Right. So I don't know why suddenly 150 pages in, he's like, uh, actually, I didn't have sex with any of these women. <laughs> he probably realized how guilty he sounded. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's fucked, like, 10 different women already. Uh, so, right, right, right. It turns out, all the engineers at the company he works for, they're all into wife swapping. And Hell these, yeah. These are all swinger parties. Um, now Man, I, before we understood <laughs> STDs, we used to do such cooler stuff. Yeah, it was, you know, life was a lot better before science got in the fall. Uh, I feel like we missed out on the orgy era. It was, there was a perfect time in human history where we had drugs and STDs didn't exist. So and like everything the, was excellent. The mid to late 70s, it was a sick time. It was a, it was a utopia. Yeah. So I, I don't know why Bill kept going to swingers parties if he had no intention of, you know, having sex with people. He just jerks off in the corner. <laughs> He's just a cuck. I just like to watch. Uh, yeah, this it's like going to a strip club to avoid seeing naked women. I go to these swingers oh, parties. Oh, boobies. <laughs> oh, oh, I didn't know that would be happening at this establishment. You don't understand. I go to these parties to not cheat on my oh, wife. You said, this said it was a gentleman's club. What is this? Now, uh, as if reading my mind, Tompkins includes... <laughs> That's so funny, the idea that he thinks it's a literal club for gentlemen. Yeah. Hey, oh, whoa, why are there broads in here? Just everyone reading, like, yeah. stock tickers. And I <laughs> thought this was just going to be the fellas. I What's going on? I don't see a single gentleman here. <laughs> uh, so the reason Bill says he goes to these parties, the only reason I go to these things is to keep my boss off my back, which I think his boss was trying to put him on his back. But Hell yeah. Uh, now... Speaking of his boss, one of his boss's policies was to take off the clothes of the wife of the person hosting the dinner and have sex with her in front of everyone. Wow. Yeah, that's, that's a very reasonable thing. Exhibitionism is a weird thing to get into. Well, just the idea that his boss has like prima nocta and all the way the yeah. fucking employees. Well, wife. look, he is the boss. That's tr again. It was the 60s. Yeah, that's that was part of the contract he signed. We got and he's like, oh, I also get to fuck your wife. Yeah. If your boss wanted to finger the yeah. asshole of your passed out wife, you had to let him or you'd lose your job. Look, before women joined the workforce in mass, we had to put them to work somehow. Now, uh, chapter 15, development of the proposal for redesign of complex 39 that's uh, one of the super high-tech inventions there wow look which at it i, I don't it looks wow. like he drew the monorail at disneyland i have no idea what the fuck that's supposed to be it yeah. just says tactical control oh uh, yeah i couldn't tell you what off top i couldn't really tell you at all it looks like a poorly drawn treasure map so about two-thirds of the way through this book now is when bill decides to try and explain his job he says 
My responsibility as engineering section chief of the Douglas S4B stage facilities, electrical ground support, equipment installation, checkout, and launch test systems was to be fully knowledgeable of all the Apollo vehicle systems. Now, it, I, as I mentioned before, his job does change like chapter to chapter. It, it's ridiculous. Oh, my job? I get pussy for a living. Speaking of which, it was only at this point that Tompkins says that uh, he didn't find out all these women were aliens until many years later. In court. <laughs> well, that did make me think, like, he was sexualizing women he described as being 13 or 15. So, you know, the more I go through this, the more it does seem like the alien excuse was just to get around him being a pervert. It's like old pill. Old Bill might have uh, dipped into the kiddie pool. Yeah, pill Tompkins. <laughs> uh, now that, that civilian saucer investiga- investigation group uh, I mentioned at the very beginning, um, even though he said it was shut down, it's now back for some reason in this chapter. Wow. With no explanation of why it's returned. Wow. Tompkins, he explains that his job with the CSI was to be the disseminator of ET documentation. Chapter 16, we're going to be psychoanalyzed. Bill's boss needs to steal a file from a room that gets locked down after 10 p.m. While in there, you're not going to believe this. While in there, a scantily clad secretary comes in and immediately uh, immediately leads the boss to the file. And then she turns to leave, but before she leaves, she takes off all her clothes and gets all off on all fours, showing him her ass as she climbs over a counter. Hell yeah. Uh, he telepathically tells her she has a nice ass. <laughs> well, that's, you know, hey, what good a, for him. What a great use of telepathy. Yeah. No, 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 <laughs> you have a sick fat ass. <laughs> now, despite saying that he didn't find out the uh, his co-workers were aliens until years later, Bill, during this timeline, says this to his co-worker. Do you think it is possible that these two star girls are controlling our minds? Could they be here under orders from, our, uh, from out in the galaxies with a mission to assist us in developing a naval deep water space battle group and help them out there? I... I don't know why you would propose that if you didn't already know they were aliens. Hey, are you an alien? Because that ass is out of this world. He does say, I am nearly convinced that these sexy females are not just monitoring us. They are commissioned to see that it happens. Wow. They have to fuck. Which, again, doesn't sound like something you'd propose if you didn't know they were aliens already. Chapter 17, Proposed Planetary Missions. Uh, another boss, not the one who has sex with all the employees' wives, I don't think. This right. is a different one. Another boss decides to... What a terrible decision. He introduces Bill to his 19-year-old daughter so that he can explain aliens to her. Uh, This guy said he had taken his daughter to the doctor because I guess she was talking about aliens. She was like, oh, this bitch is nuts. Uh, Fuck, this one's kooky too. Now, naturally, Bill talks with his boss's daughter while she's wearing only a bikini. Ah, that seems appropriate. It's a very normal thing to do. She starts the conversation off with a banger, though. Quote, He gets on top of me, enters my body. I don't want him to, but he holds me down and goes in me. I don't want him to do that stuff to me. They do it all the time. Anytime they want to, they stay as long as they want. I think they enter me to find out how I function. Now, Bill, (laughs) I think they do it to fuck you, but Bill helpfully points out here that this is rape and she should call the police. Wow, that's good of him. Yeah, what the police would do to an alien rapist, I, I don't know. But so she says the aliens are raping her to turn her into an alien. Ah. And uh, as proof of this, she shows Bill one of the alien claw marks, which is located 
where else but her bare ass. Of course. So he goes to meet his boss's daughter who just wears a bikini and then she shows him his ass. Uh, Ex- excuse me, can I examine uh, your ass? <laughs> I need to I need to finger your daughter. No, 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 <laughs> this is for for this is just so I understand what's going on. Well, so Tompkins does tell her. He thinks, you know, she's being a bit dramatic about this whole gang rape thing. Yeah. But he does get des- over it. He does decide to study her to help understand the aliens better. So in, uh, an alien rape meeting is held, and in this meeting, Bill is informed that one strain of greys work with the reptilians and needs to be dealt with, and that reptilians are the worst as they are the most violent and dangerous. Again, there's some of that coded language yeah, there. Yeah, these thugs. Yeah, the thugs who are violent rapists. Yeah. This meeting concludes with Bill telling the 19-year-old that she's hysterical and just... Uh, She's in need of a good fucking and that she, sh- <laughs> she should stop being so uptight. You know what would make you forget about the violent assaults? Having my, sex with me. My dick. My so, dick. Well, and that's the story. Bill's, Bill's a hero. So he, he finds a woman who's been raped and he's like, you just need to get fucked properly. I have the cure. And then that's the story. Nice. Uh, Bill next meets with a friend at the historic restaurant, the Brown Derby. He brings his assistant, Jessica, who was wearing an orange miniskirt that was so short that it, uh, is it disc- quote, exposed the little pink thing underneath. <laughs> it's just a fucking awful description. God, he has the worst euphemisms. It's just, it's hideous. Yeah, it's, it's just, horrible. it makes it so much more off-putting. Yeah, so her pussy's hanging out and she shows up and slaps the waitress's ass. Wow. Uh, they talk about drilling for oil and saving the planet, but much more important to Bill is uh, this explanation of him and his cousin. Quote, neither of us participated in heavy sports or had time for girls because we didn't have the time. What a terrible sentence. We didn't have time because we didn't have time. All our efforts were devoted to studying every aspect of our techni- uh, different technical fields. That did not prevent either one of us from becoming exceptional, passionate lovers later, however. Wow. Yeah. Fascinating. Yeah. Bill wants you to know he's a very, very passionate lover. Chapter 18, pushing two envelopes. Um, now, in keeping with the theme of there being no plot or continuity here, we begin this chapter with a discussion of Roswell. The UFO crashed and they took the, the remnants to Wright-Patterson Air Force Base, where they then brought in all the top engineers from the Army as well as private companies to examine it. That's the story everyone knows, but Bill also reveals that the Navy had acquired a dozen more crafts since Roswell, and the subsequent craft are what's being studied underground at Area 51. Why they have to study the craft, again, if they're in contact with these aliens, you think they would be able to explain it to them, but I guess not. Chapter 19. Someone has to explain to these people, oh, right, yeah, they, they... he he did a thing Michael Salad did too. Like once you introduce the plot point of alien sex parties and anti gravity Lamborghinis, yeah, you can't go back to just talking about your job as a draftsman. Yeah, you got to once you deliver that, you got to keep going. With yeah, that. we're we're way past that at this point. But he, that's what he does. That's all chapter nineteen is. He just talks about the nineteen sixties rocket program, and then chapter uh, chapter twenty, Jessica the Speed Reader. So his assistant, Jessica, she uses the power of being a slut to completely rewrite Bill's proposal for the Moon and Mars program. She wrote a 400-page report in one night, which led everyone to believe she was an alien, so she controlled all their minds to make them forget. Uh, this is another thing I didn't quite get. If she has the power to control everyone's mind, why wouldn't she just control the mind of the person she needs to accept her proposal? 
right? Well, that would be cheating. Yeah, it'd be like if someone needed to get approval from you, but they controlled my mind yeah. to get me to get approval. Like it, it's just it's no, very, that'd be in poor taste. <laughs> that's true. Maybe it's one of those laws of the universe you can't uh, can't break. Chapter twenty one. Uh, Bill cops to being a terrible writer in this section for some point. I don't know why he finally decided to do that, but he starts describing uh, becoming a Catholic. And then he says, this is sort of hard to accept. And yes, it is out of sequence too, but trying to repent for all the rapes (laughs) found Christ late in life. Yeah. Maybe he was doing a reread of this book. He's like, Oh geez, I don't sound like a good guy. Oh father. I've done so many bad things now. So, so Bill, but the women never wore panties. It's not my fault. And they would bend over. (laughs) Yeah. What am I supposed to do? Not fuck them. (laughs) He's (laughs) <laughs> during uh, during one of his Catholicism classes, Bill is led to a private room where a monk shows him pictures of aliens and various alien encounters that had occurred over the last 18 months. There, there was a string of... <laughs> I love this explanation. There was a string of UFO landings and smaller tributaries of the Amazon River. The reason why there were no eyewitnesses to these landings is because after the UFOs landed in the river, piranhas would swarm to the surface and eat everyone that witnessed it. And then after that, cat-like fish would come and eat those piranhas. I mean, that no, it makes total sense. Yeah, so the piranhas ate all the evidence, and then catfish... Ate the cat, piranhas. I'm sorry, cat-like fish ate the piranhas. Ate the piranhas. Oh, sorry... Sorry, teacher. The piranhas ate the ate the, my evidence. Ate my evidence. Uh, as as you probably realize, this was no normal Catholic church. Bill was attending. It was full of top secret priests, hot nuns. <laughs> this is the only chapter where he does not fuck. <laughs> I don't know. I guess Catholicism is very important to him, but he does not go into it in this chapter. Uh, so yes, this was a bunch of top secret priests who were studying alien infiltration to the archdiocese. And they were showing Bill top secret Vatican documents. Wow. Now, again, you can forget all of that because it will never be brought up again in the (laughs) book. I don't know why he felt the need to include it. Chapter 22, the gates will open. In this chapter, Bill has to go on a top secret infiltration mission where he is to find Werner von Braun's tower at a military base and infiltrate it. But there's a uh, there's really no stakes here because his alien secretary, Jessica, tells him she'll just control everyone's mind to allow him to access the military base without uh, resistance. Easy peasy. This uh, this is also the story that Tompkins again, episode 344 for us. He told this story to Carrie Cassidy and she just accepted it completely uncritically and well, was she was blown away. <laughs> Carrie is the queen of not asking follow ups. Yeah, this uh I mean, we just talked about it, but this is another case where it doesn't make sense. Like, she had to control the mind of hundreds of people to make this happen. So why couldn't she just control the mind of Werner von Braun? Too simple. Yeah, that's that's a good point. Also, you know, if she could do that, she wouldn't have to have sex with Bill. Yeah, she wouldn't have, Bill wouldn't be getting all that pussy if there was another option. Well, speaking of pussy, Tompkins uh, includes that von Braun had a bed in his office where he fucked his 15-year-old assistant. All right, well, I don't love that. <laughs> I don't think Bill knows the age of consent. <laughs> well, I mean, actually, guess what was it in the 60s? It was probably actually was 15, unfortunately. Might have been. To be honest, it actually was probably still 14 in most states. Well, Bill still dips to 13 yeah. in this book. I feel, so. well, I mean, 13's almost 14. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> he rounds up. Officer, Your Honor, 13.7. What that's is, 14. What is a year, yeah, really? Come on now. 
uh, Tompkins makes this presentation uh, to, to Werner von Braun, and everything goes off perfectly, of course. And then he says he was praised by von Braun, another engineer, for three and a half straight hours. They just Damn, told him how just, brilliant he was. Man, three hour. I could use a three hour pep talk. Also, so this is the picture that somehow like saved the universe. It kind of just looks like a like a lunchroom at a. I literally couldn't tell you what that is. I don't know how this was important to saving the world, but I guess it was. Uh, it just looks like the, like the NASA space station without a roof. I guess it's like an open air launch room. I think. Oh, I guess I think that's what this is. This is a uh, like a control center room. Oh, okay. It saves the world. Look at it. Bill. Uh, Bill can't make up his fucking mind because now he says even after saving the world. By showing that drawing and using alien telekinesis, he still says he wasn't sure if aliens were real. Which, like, at that point... You've had sex with them. <laughs> what do you mean, are they real? You lived with one on the Las Vegas plane. She gave you an anti-gravity Lamborghini. Yeah, you were literally the fucking boy toy to an alien. Uh, it, to, to be... I think... To be serious for a second, I think what actually happened here is he probably wrote this all as a bunch of short stories and then just crammed them together. Just cobbled them together? Yeah, with no concern for continuity purposes. Oh, Jesus, the aliens got us. Damn, I look like a dick in that. <laughs> it was... This is Bill taking revenge on us from beyond the grave. He's up. Uh, he's busy getting pussy. Yeah, he's, he's looking up on us while fucking an alien. <laughs> Oh, 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 who was wrong now? Uh. Tompkins, uh, he also finds out in this part of the book that the reason some of his plans at Douglas uh, Aircraft hadn't been able to come to fruition is because reptilians were in charge of the company. Wow. And then these terrible reptilians, they got a super hot secretary, Jessica, fired. Damn. And how could they? These reptilians clearly don't like pussy. After this uh, huge presentation to Von Braun, Bill gets fired because he made his company look bad for completely changing the plans without informing his hire-ups. <laughs> LeVron Braun James. <laughs> <laughs> he was created as, as a lab experiment. This is my greatest creation ever, this LeBron Von James. <laughs> Learner Von Braun. Uh, now... After so Bill gets fired, Jessica from somewhere in the galaxy telepathically informs him how to get no uh, get more work. So after this, he ends up working at uh, Rocketdyne, the the location we right, lived across right. the street from. So he's working there. And now you're not going to believe this, but at Rocketdyne, Bill had a mini skirt wearing secretary named Tiffany. Damn. Uh, when he shows up, she informs him, "quote I am ready. We can keep fucking forever." <laughs> he had just met her. Well, look, she he likes to get straight to the point. Bill at Rocketdyne, he also had another assistant named Brittany, and you're not going to believe this, but she's hot. Damn. Uh, Hell well, yeah. I was, oh God, more just terrible description. I was looking at her, and yes, she is a vision. She senses that I am staring at her and gets wet between her beautiful long legs. Brit yeah, <laughs> I mean, this is just erotica. Yes, it's it's literal pornography. Yeah. Uh, Brittany giggles mischievously, one of the most adorable blonde Nordic babes in this part of the galaxy. There is something much creepier about written porn than visual porn. I can't exactly finger it, it's, unintended. Yeah, well, it's because it, it takes so much effort. It's just the way people describe things. It's... I think I think what it is is it, it it gives insight to that specific person's version of sex. Yeah, it's very unsettling. Yes, it's a very personalized 
description of it. Whereas if you're just watching porn, you can project whatever you want. Onto I don't have it. to think of weird adjectives coming up. Yes. About his beautiful Nordic assistant who yeah. gets wet between her beautiful long legs. Bill uh, also chimes in here to say that throughout the other two books in this trilogy, he's uh, going to release. He says he continues working with gorgeous golden haired alien sex goddesses. Wow. Hell yeah. Bill uh, doubles back to describing <laughs> Tiffany and says she looks 17 and she was put here on this planet to teach us mortals the treasure and pleasure of true sexual bliss. Oh, God, just a sex alien. <laughs> a 17-year-old one at that. Well, she looked 17. We don't know. How true. old she was, it's a mystery. <laughs> 12. Uh, Bill <laughs> leaves work and finds Tiffany sitting on his Cadillac, and she forces him to grab her ass to remove her from it. Ah. And then she tells him they're going to go to Las Vegas, not the Las ba Vegas planet, our, our Actual Las Vegas, Vegas, okay. And they're going to fuck for an entire weekend. Wow. That sounds like a hell of a gal. Where we're going to skip chapter 25 because it's nothing. Chapter 26, if we're going to have to use nuclear. Tiffany starts explaining how to insulate equipment from nuclear radiation, but I really, I appreciate this little bit of stage direction from Bill. So this is prior to her giving the speech. He says, Tiffany, holding her pussy whispered. <laughs> and, then, and then it goes into the, it goes into the explanation about how to insulate things from nuclear holding radiation. Holding her pussy whispered, did you know how to stop radiation? Tiffany holding her pussy. <laughs> Anyways, Tiffany ends up making out with Bill in a uh, restaurant. They're holding this meeting. He does this a lot too. Sometimes he'll be describing something as if he's at work and then at the end he'll just be like, we were in a restaurant. <laughs> which it doesn't make any sense. This, this woman is holding her pussy in the middle of a restaurant describing nuclear radiation. Hey, different time so uh there tiffany ends up making out with bill in this restaurant and bill writes that all of the restaurant patrons clapped when they saw them making out <laughs> it's again it, it's, damn so it, fine he got a round of applause for it, it it's just such insane fantasy yeah. of like I was so good at sex that everyone cheered. They gave, they gave me a standing ovation. Everyone in the restaurant watched me fuck and applauded. They were like, damn, that dude knows how to fuck. So they make out. Everyone claps. Uh, Brittany then argues with Bill because Bill is fingering Tiffany too often. Uh, and Brittany says Tiffany is a cunt for taking Bill from her. Damn. And then the rest of this chapter is just... Tiffany, Brittany, and other women talking about how big Bill's cock is and how badly they want to fuck him because they need, quote, cock to lick. <laughs> Damn, these women are all sluts. She's uh, of, of the highest degree. Yeah, just filthy whores, all of them. He doesn't encounter, he, there is not one normal woman in his no. life. No, that's the real mystery is how all these just sluts always around <laughs> Bill. Chapter 27, Lake Tahoe, 1967. Uh, so in the middle of the night, Tompkins is outside at his cabin in Tahoe looking at the stars. He mentions it's very, very cold. And all of a sudden, if you can believe this, Jessica shows up wearing a miniskirt and tells Bill he has to get help mankind get off the planet. Uh, she also tells him he is, quote, nice down there. <laughs> <laughs> I guess Bill, he was outside just nude looking at the stars. Right, as one does. Yeah, when it's freezing outside. Yeah. That, wow, well, that's also when your dick looks the best, when you're in freezing yeah. temperature. That's how big his hog is. Uh, yeah, it's still huge, even in the frozen tundra. Yeah. <laughs> chapter 28, Christmas in California. Uh, somehow in this chapter, Bill no longer works at Rocketdyne, even though he doesn't explain that. And he instead works at a place called TRW, which I... I I think it's a think tank, and he says it's located adjacent to the beach. 
And of course, all the women wore cocktail dresses or miniskirts. Nice. Even though he said it was a laboratory environment and you would never wear clothes like that in the lab because it'd be very dangerous. You do at this lab. Bill gets an emergency phone call where he's informed that the reptilians and greys have bases on the moon. And speaking of the moon, Bill says that during the famous moon mission with Buzz Aldrin, Bill was in like the control room. He says you could see ruins of an ancient civilization on the moon. I guess they just kept that off camera somehow. I don't All know. Right. <laughs> he then goes on to uh, talk about how it makes no sense that we haven't gone back to the moon. And that's because all these secret space missions are occurring. It's just that the government is not informing us of them. And then the book just ends. Uh, he, he says Obama ruined the space program. Hell yeah. And, <laughs> and the next- you know who ruined the space program? <laughs> That fucking Obama. Uh, the next, and then the next page, he just lists all the jobs he claims to have had. I counted; there were thirty-two jobs listed in the job section of this book. It'd have been funnier if he lists he dedicated the book to all the women he fucked. <laughs> His victim list. Yeah. Uh, but I, I like this. So among those jobs, it includes everything from test pilot to movie producer of Star Trek and Star Wars. Hell yeah, which dude! I believe is. Easily ver in fact, why don't we do it right now? Let's, I mean, uh, yeah, that's one of those things <laughs> uh, you could Google real quick. Yeah, let's see if William Tompkins produced Star Wars. Oh, he just came on and said the skirts need to be shorter and less panties. <laughs> he just showed up to try and have sex with it. Yeah. I, this is going to be shocking to everyone. It does not appear that William Tompkins produced the movie Star Wars. No. <laughs> uh, Old Will Tompkins, the UFO investigator. And then, yeah, that's it. Uh, you know, there's there's two more books I will not be reading them. I, this is, I draw my line here. I, I mean, look, at least David didn't write erotica. I am not reading another two books about William Tompkins' penis. David's too gay to get pussy in his dreams. It's it, He repeatedly mentions that, too. Yeah. But there was one dream David had where some girl showed up to fuck him and he, like, started crying or something. Oh, no, not for me. <laughs> no, no pussy for me. No, miss. thank you. <laughs> I'm trying to watch my weight. I'm going to go beat off in yeah. my cabin. I'm going to go cry. Yeah, so... Uh, <laughs> That's that's Old. the story of William Tompkins, the wow. most important secret space program person who, in my opinion, sounds a lot like a serial rapist. There is something really funny about a UFO investigator who's so horny he keeps getting sidetracked. <laughs> he, just, he could have saved the world yeah. if he didn't have sex with literally everyone. But those aliens were also goddamn hot and just sluts throwing themselves at him. Reading the book, it's also so insanely clear that he was a fucking dweeb his whole life. And then, oh, yeah. like, this was his chance to tell his story as he wanted it to be understood. Yeah. Oh, I don't think anyone who writes erotica gets pussy. No, you can't spend that much time yeah. writing it. Like, it just... It's like it's like the, the furries. Like, I don't... People who draw the furry stuff, I wonder if they actually fuck. Probably not. I think they just draw the fucking... But it's also, you know, it's expensive. It's cost prohibitive to be a furry. You got to you got to have the suit and everything. Yeah, but if you just drew the doodles online, I much cheaper. Anyone who spends that much time creating art that's about having sex, probably not. If you draw cartoon penises, I got, you know, I got some questions. Yeah, or write three books about how many aliens you had sex with. It's, yeah. It's probably not true. Aliens Al- don't believe in panties. Although, do remember, halfway through, he says he actually had no sex with any of these aliens. Yeah, I mean, that is a hilarious thing to do. Be like, actually, they might not even been aliens. Well, it's just like you took a weekend trip yeah. to Las Vegas with your secretary to not have sex with her. Yeah. Like your very real secretary. I think the I think the uh 
editor actually included something at the very end of this. I'd book. like to say I am <laughs> not a participant in any of the crimes herefore to mentioned. I apologize for for editing this book. Um, yeah, there was there was some little blurb where he just included how you know Bill constant. It was some sentence about how like Bill constantly turned down the the many many advances. Of his uh, alien secretary. You think he got a lot of pussy? Just imagine how much he turned down. Oh, so this is this is the editor's summation of this book. His talent for remembering details, as reflected in his models of navy ships, his firsthand reports of UFOs. This is uh, why he's important. His firsthand uh, report of UFOs during the Battle of L.A. in February 1942. His early access to naval secure installations. His involvement in an unknown think tank at Douglas Aircraft during the war. His fortuitous assignment to the same think tank in the 1950s working on the alien issue. His team's interaction with young Bobby Ray Inman on UFOs. His fortuitous meeting with his still lovely wife Mary of 65 years. His personal interaction with Dr. Von Braun, Dr. Debus during Apollo. His two major contributions to a successful Apollo program, why he was fired from Douglas, and numerous unsuccessful attempts by alien Nordic secretaries to seduce him. Hell yeah, dude. And uh, there we have it, everyone. Everyone go take a cold shower. <laughs> everyone go <laughs> yeah. calm themselves down. Damn, if only Bill had grown up in the OnlyFans era. Yeah, just fucking aliens. If you had sex with aliens on OnlyFans, you'd be making good money. You would crush, dude. All right, speaking of money, patreon.com slash pod. We've got uh, a sex doll documentary I found. Hell we're yeah. going to watch that. A guy who's Hell married yeah. to one. Um, we are at Hidden Plain Sight Radio on Instagram. You're at Brand Steel Hidden on Instagram. We are at The Hidden Pod on Twitter. Until next time, who do you? Mamba out. It's